Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Now, for some reason, January, the turn of the year, Christmas, the new year, is a big difficulty time for problem gamblers. And I know not why, but it would appear from what you read and see that most, many people who have a problem with gambling, if they're going to relapse, they're going to relapse in January. No, not why. Um, We have a serious problem, an increasingly serious problem with problem gambling in this country. Um, Consultant addiction psychiatrist Professor Colin Colin O'Gara has been talking about this recently. Um, He said there has to be something done about it. We're really starting to see the effects of the pandemic. And he said people are at risk of relapse, those who have their gambling under control. I'll talk to Professor O'Gara a little bit later. Uh, after 11, but I want to talk to, first of all to a man who's been through this and I guess, are you ever not going through it, own coin? You're you're in recovery now, the last bet was when? 2014. Are you always, always still in recovery? Morning. Oh, don't know what happened to that, lads. That dropped out. Yeah, I'll go through some of the things that Professor O'Gara has been saying. He said, people have really struggling with the end of the pandemic and the return of sport, and I'll talk to him more about this when we have him on in a while, the return of sport led to so many different problems for gamblers because sport in general, sport is is where gambling happens. And I did, I do know one person who, who has been, had his gambling under control for, for nearly 30 years who still can't watch a soccer match or can't watch a race, a horse race. I absolutely loves sport, but has to avoid it because it's where he relapsed. Owen, good morning to you. Hi, how's it going, PJ? Good. You've been in recovery since 2014. Yeah, almost almost to to the day, yeah. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. So coming up on, on nine years, about six days shy of, of nine years. Well, 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 well done to you. Um, and... and and how bad was it, mate? Uh, it was pretty bad in terms of the time and energy it consumed from my life, not to mention the uh, financial strain it put on me. Um, but towards the end, I suppose for the last year to two years, it consumed, I'd say, a good 
eighty percent of, of of my 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 waking thoughts. Um, you know how I was going to have a bed if I didn't have any money, where I was going to get money, how I was, you know, what I was going to bet on. Mm. You know, different races, different soccer matches, whatever it was. Uh, the the first thought in the morning was about having a bet, and the last thought at night was either about a win or a loss during the previous day, or what tomorrow would would bring in terms of in terms of having having a bet. Now, I mentioned that research showing that Christmas and New Year are particularly difficult. Why? Why would you say, from your own experience? I suppose with Christmas, there's a couple of things um, that just marry together to create the perfect storm. People have a lot more time in their hands. Uh, you're out of your own routine. You could be off work. Uh, usually going into Christmas, we all try to save up a, a, an extra few bob. And uh, we have that, um, I suppose, ex- extra few few pounds in our pocket. And then on top of all of that, you have wall-to-wall sport on the TV uh, from, say, 12 o'clock in the morning until possibly 10 or 11 at night with, uh, you know, soccer, um, horse racing during the day and then into the, the darts in the in the evening. So there are ample opportunities to have a bet. And I suppose what has happened over the last 15 years, um, I would say maybe a bit longer, is betting has infiltrated sports so much that they're almost married together. Yeah. So, like, advertising pushes, um, you know, the, the the kind of belief that, you know, sport uh, has to be enjoyed with a bet, whether it's the yeah. first goal scorer in a soccer match or uh, how many 180s are going to be hit during the darts or anything like that. There's uh, numerous markets that, that people can have a bet on. And uh, that, that just creates the perfect storm for somebody, whether they're in recovery or whether they're, in, they're susceptible to falling into addiction, whatever it is. Yeah, and, and um, as, as, as someone who thoroughly enjoys all that Christmas sport, I, I, I can't imagine what it must be like uh, to, 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 you know, be, it, for, for you, say, or someone like you watching that sport is, would you call it risky behaviour? Is it risky to watch that sport? Um, well, for me, definitely at the start, I did I did an awful lot to avoid um, watching sport, uh, particularly like the horse racing. I remember I gave up in January 2014. Uh, two months down the line, Cheltenham came, came along in the calendar and uh, I did a lot of work in avoiding watching the horse racing, whether it was spend uh, an afternoon in bed or a long walk on the beach or whatever it was, um, I had to put an awful lot of focus into avoiding it. Uh, not just on the TV, but people talking about it. it, it our culture here in Ireland, I know like historically we have a pub culture and all of that, but I think in the last 30 years there's a big gambling culture after creeping yeah. into our our, um, our our national psyche and that comes down to us just being a sports mad nation yeah. Yeah. and, and uh, the, the, I suppose I think that gambling companies have been very clever in, in how they market their products and how they have married it in with, um, with sport and, and they've become almost intertwined. Yeah. We have a, a new piece of legislation going through uh, the Oireachtas at the moment, Gambling Regulation Bill of 2022, and I think you've had, you've had a good read through it. And as someone who's been there, done that and worn the T-shirt, Owen, is it going to work? I would hope so. 
Um, I would hope so. I mean, there's a lot of things in it. Are there are a lot of things that are absent from it, and I think that's down to uh, a lack of joined-up thinking from uh, the guys who are putting it together. What kind of things uh, are missing? So, I suppose the big standout to me would be um, the National Exclusion Register. So at the moment, if I want to exclude myself from a particular uh, bookmaker, I can walk into um, I could walk into uh, a bookie with uh, a form of ID and say I want to exclude myself from this uh, bookmakers and they'll fill out a form and I'll be excluded. I can decide how long I want to exclude myself. I don't think you can exclude yourself indefinitely. I think it goes from some companies will allow you to exclude for six months, others will allow you to exclude for up to five years. And that is, Owen, sorry, that it, <coughs> no, no branch of that bookie will then take a bet from you? I, uh, well, right? I mean, well, I mean, if I if I exclude myself in Cork and I go to, to Dublin, I don't think that they are very stringent in how they, um, in how they, they, they uh, police it, you know, um, so, like, I mean, you might, you, some of the low, like, if I, if I sue myself in Yall, then perhaps the the company may pass on the message I to, see. say, Middleton or Carrie Tool. C- compare that to it. the UK, then, where you, could, you can register once and... Exactly. So, in the UK, there are, I think, almost 50 uh, licensed operators signed up to a blanket self-exclusion register. And uh, if I log on to that exclusion register in the UK, I can um, I can ban myself from all of those all of those bookmakers, and uh, like it's 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 pretty robust in that in that sense. You know what I mean? Uh, there's actually so like we have 76 licensed uh, bookmakers here in Ireland, and. 46 of those 76 are signed up to that in the UK already. What's happening here in Ireland is that the National Register is being set up, but if I want to exclude myself, I can only exclude myself from one bookmaker. I see, I see. So, uh, so it, it, makes no, it makes no sense to me. Yeah. It makes absolutely... It, it, it's... It, it, it doesn't do anything to protect me or anyone who is looking to stop gambling or anybody who's in recovery. Um, it's completely pointless. Our, our approach to, to gambling as an addiction, it, it's looked upon as behavioural rather than, than substance. Clearly it is behavioural rather than substance. Does that... Do we not take it as seriously then, Owen, when in fact we probably should take it even, even more seriously? Yeah, I don't think, like, I suppose it's not a traditional addiction, uh, PJ, in the sense of people's perception of it. So, like, I can understand um, somebody who, I can understand, and and you and probably the general population can understand somebody who um, has a problem with alcohol and can't stop drinking alcohol because they're doing something, like, physical, you know, Mm. there's a physical thing that, Exactly, they need a drink, exactly. And there's a, the substance is the alcohol. With gambling, um, I mean, it's you often hear people say, and I've heard it, um, I suppose, from, from, from people historically, and I know people who are in recovery at the moment here a lot, is why can't you just stop? Why can't you just walk out of the bookies? Why can't you just close your account? 
and there's not the same level of understanding around having an addiction with gambling as there is with, say, cigarettes or alcohol or drug use. And I, I don't know what why that is. Perhaps it is around. Um, perhaps it is around the fact that it's a, a behavioural addiction. It's what I, I I think it's similar to um, having an eating disorder. You know, if you hear of anyone who suffers with an eating disorder, you, you'd say to them, well, "Just eat your dinner." You know, and it yeah. sounds like the most. It sounds like the most. Um, it sounds like the simplest thing in the world to do, but for somebody that's stuck in that addiction. It's just impossible, um, and, and 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 you know it's down to things that I'm not educated enough to to know about. I mean, it's down to how your brain chemicals work, the, the reward triggers within your brain that keep bringing you back to this thing that impulses you to gamble and to, to you know that that gives the brain all those lovely rewards um, dopamine hits all, all of the time that's what draws you back in and that's why we have such a problem with it it's a sickness so we need to treat it as such would you agree absolutely absolutely um, I think we're miles ahead uh, in other in other addictions uh, from from where we are in gambling you see um, like take tobacco uh, products for instance I mean you you wouldn't know that tobacco's on sale in Ireland unless you actively went to went to seek it out. You go into a into a, a shop. You can't see any advertising for tobacco. It's not on TV. It's not anywhere. And I think when we look back in maybe fifteen twenty years, and hopefully we're a lot further down the line with our understanding around gambling. Gambling is going to become you know the new tobacco. Okay, you know? that's, that's an interesting prediction and we'll watch it. Owen, thank you very much for talking to me. That's uh, Owen Coyne. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Just there when one was telling me about ex- excluding yourself, barring yourself effectively from a from a bookies. You gotta do it like one bookie at a time and he wants a national register so that if you bar yourself from one branch of a chain, then you're barred effectively from every branch of a chain 
and that there is in the UK and he's looking for that to be here in Ireland so that someone like him who is a gambling addict although he's in recovery since 2014 and fair play to him you can literally buy yourself from the whole network in one go it's not possible here I used to work in different bookies says this call in both the UK and Ireland it's the GDPR legislation it prevents the shops from sharing information oh that bloody GDPR don't start me on GDPR because people who've spoken to me who work in shall we say sensitive areas and that's as far as I'll go they've told me that this blasted GDPR since it came into our lives in 2018 it's actually made so doing your job so much harder for so many people really has I know it's probably a good thing that our data is protected and minded and isn't out there for all and sundry to see and to take hold of that was the intention but it's just made life so hard for people trying to do their job thanks though if the government was serious about this gambling issue they would not allow banks to have ATM machines in bookies or in close proximity to bookies they're just not taking it seriously that's Noel in Castle Martyr I wouldn't be a frequent visitor to bookies I might go in during Cheltenham and throw a couple of quid down and subsequently lose it at the end of the day. That would be it. Uh, maybe maybe I might have a small punt on a Grand National. That would be the size of it. So I don't know. I've never seen. I wouldn't be in bookies often enough to see what's in there. Um, but anyway, thanks, Noel. 0818 96 96 96. The number of the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. Now, Professor Colin O'Gara has said that the issue of problem gambling is now at a point of no return. There has to be something done about it and soon. We're really starting to see the effects of the pandemic. Professor O'Gara is consultant addictions psychiatrist at St. John of God's. He joins me now. Professor, good morning. Those are strong words. Uh, hi, PJ. Uh, can you hear me? I can indeed. Loud and clear, Colin. Perfect. Perfect. That's very Perfect. strong words, Colin. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, there's, there's, there's no question that, uh, in my mind that we've reached a position where, um, the product of gambling is, uh, so widely available and the harm that has been caused by that, uh, is significant. I don't think that we, um, are all the time, uh, cognizant of the harm that has been caused. So if you look to the UK, um, Public Health England would uh, estimate the harm from gambling to be about 1.27 billion British pounds, um, and that's that. You know that accounts for a bigger population, of course, than our own, but um, a substantial amount of individuals who suffer from gambling disorder and need treatment. Yeah. So the Institute of Public Health in Ireland would estimate. Uh, 40,000 problem gamblers in Ireland. I think that's an underestimate because I think it's a good start, but I think it's an underestimate. But if you, because if you look at Northern Ireland, the estimates up there are about two to three percent of the population affected. But put so, so, so there's significant harm when you look at those figures and the treatment provision at the moment, PJ, is pretty much non existent. So you have a product which is harmful, which we know is harmful, which is generally. Ex- accepted can be harmful i know i know that others don't get harmed right that's fair enough but in terms of say tobacco or drugs or alcohol um you know we look at those things and say they're harmful uh, or like sorry they can be harmful Mm. 
Um, but in the case of gambling, I think over the past 10 years in particular, we've become more accustomed to looking at it now, not just as a leisure activity, but as a public health concern. So, so that's where I'm coming from. And, you know, I, I, I'm at the forefront of, you know, you know, uh, sorry, on the cold face of treating people with all different types of addictions. Yes. But in recent years, I've seen an awful lot more young men in particular who suffer from this condition. And uh, the purpose of, you know, uh, making a commentary on it, PJ, is to try and raise awareness so that mm. we can get uh, funding and finance uh, towards the people who suffer from these conditions because my work has shown, shown me that it's not only devastating to the individual but multiple uh, individuals around that individual, that the international literature would, would put it around eight people around the individual in gambling disorder are severely affected as well. To meet someone in active addiction, say come, someone coming to your office in there in St. John of God's, to meet someone who's in active addiction to heroin or in act, active addiction to alcohol or active addiction to anything, they may look very sick. Someone who's in active addiction to gambling may look as healthy as you or me. And that's part of the problem. You don't see the sickness, do you? No, and that's probably the most significant difference from a clinical point of view, when just as you've outlined. And the other thing is it's a very sticky and difficult condition, even when you get people into treatment. So we often have a case where cases where people are telling us, young men are telling us, everything is going fine. Uh, I haven't gambled in six months, 12 months, whatever. Um, the family are utterly convinced that that's the case. And we subsequently find out that they've been gambling the whole time. So, you know, it's it, the, the markers even in recovery. So, you know, leading up to a diagnosis of gambling disorder, it's hidden. But even in recovery, if somebody relapses in the case of alcohol dependence, you know, it's generally people lose control and they might go on a binge for a few days, similarly with drugs. And it's 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 visible. But with gambling, unfortunately, when you relapse as well, it can be incredibly hidden. And, you know, I suppose when you when you when you've worked in this area for 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 a period, you'll you'll know that uh, a, a report of gambling um you know, is not necess doesn't necessarily mean that the person isn't gambling. So in the case of alcohol and drugs, you can do blood tests and you can yes, yes. do do various kind of, uh, you know, breath tests or hair analysis, or you can do all sorts of tests in those and there will be strong indicators that the person has relapsed, but in gambling addiction, you can't. Which must make it much harder to treat. You, you, you look at the pandemic, which thankfully we hope at least Colin is, is in the rear view mirror if not gone um, but you believe clinically that there's a huge surge in problem gambling would it be as a result of the pandemic or as a consequence of the pandemic do you think? Well you know I, th I think even prior to the pandemic the, the emergence of um, you know uh, the technology and smartphones really is, is what changed things in my view and that would be a, wi a widely held view. I mean, if you look at the late 90s, some of the gambling companies who are land-based and some of the most successful online gambling companies now took a gamble of sorts. You know, they, they would have looked at, at the potential for online gambling and moved pretty much all of their business into the online space. So some of the most successful companies now who pay out 
annually pay out hundreds of millions of sterling to particular, you know, to to to, to the CEOs of those companies. Um, you know, they, they really had seen the potential for online and everybody carrying around potentially a gambling suite of products in their pocket. And that's essentially what happened in terms of if you make any addictive processor or, or substance readily available, the end harm will increase. So we see that with alcohol. If you make alcohol more available, end rates of cirrhosis will inc increase and people will, will have increased rates of liver disease. It's no different in the case of gambling. If you put a um, sophisticated you know, high technology, mm. uh, sweeter products into somebody's pocket and then you back it up with, with celebrity endorsement and bombard people with ads over a decade, the end result is going to be an increase in particular age groups, particularly 17 to 35 young men where the ads are targeted at. And again, as a leisure activity, it is, it's over the past 10 to 15 years, it's been promoted as a leisure activity and not a public health yeah. concern. As, as someone yeah. who, who enjoys watching sports, Colin, and, and doesn't, thankfully, I'm no interest in gambling. I very rarely even have a flutter. But what I do notice is, I remember during the Euros, uh, the Euro Championships, there was one particular television ad, which was an absolutely enormous production. It was stunning to watch. And at the end, you realize it's for a gambling company. Now, if I was, if I had a gambling problem, that ad has me reeled in and I'm gone for the app on my phone to start betting. Yeah, it's twofold, PJ. I would say, you know, initiation. So in other words, starting gambling, if somebody hasn't started, they might look at the ad and say, that's quite attractive. I wouldn't mind giving that a go. So obviously adolescents in particular are going to be curious, similarly to the initiations of in, initiation uh, theories of drugs and alcohol. Um, there, there's a lead in there, but also somebody who is gambling, there's a maintenance piece. So a lot of the you know literature around gambling and the effect that it has on the individual supports that idea that these ads not only affect initiation, but also maintenance. Mm. And they're going out during games and before and after games and putting out there with Owen before 11, even the darts, which is on over Christmas, people betting on how many 180s will be in a match. And you can do that online while the match is on. Like That's insidiously dangerous for someone who's on the edge. So the, you're absolutely correct. And, and that's what the literature supports is that in-play betting does have a disproportionate effect on problem gamblers. So it's a more... Um, you know, it's a faster version, basically, of, you know, maybe laying odds in a particular match. Uh, you know, it's constant and it leads to this more chaotic picture. So a lot of the, you know, young men that we would uh, meet and that would t uh, give the, the histories to us, they would talk about the gambling becoming increasingly chaotic. So you would start in a controlled fashion, you know, on premiership matches, but you know, once the chaos sets in, you're gambling on a tennis match in the middle of the night in South America. Yeah. So really that end of it, and there's, you know, at this stage, it's, it's probably 10 years. The in-play piece is, is, is particularly problematic, as is the hoarding advertising. There's electronic hoarding in the stadium. That's right. There's ads going on, uh, you know, in the dugouts. There's ads on jerseys. There's ads pre Perry and post match, mm -hmm. and as you say, then it's not just soccer. And we, we've our own research has, has looked at this. We've looked across, you know, where 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 the worst cases of uh, ads 
you know, in, in terms of sport, but really it is across the board. It's across sports now and it's across different channels. So we have reached, in my view, a point of saturation. The new gambling regulation bill, which is due for enactment next year, will ban ads up to the watershed, which would be nine o'clock. But we've suggested that, uh, you know, because so much damage has occurred in the past 10 years, I think we really need to look at banning ads across television and radio for at least a period of time, probably indefinitely. But mm. again, you know, th that's not necessarily going to fix the problem because so much of what happens is online. And that online space is incredibly difficult. Yeah, to, I mean, you can take the ads police, off the you know. telly. You can take the ads off the telly, but you can't take them off the phone or the tablet. No, and that space is it's international. A lot of it is in Gibraltar, and a lot of the UK companies post deregulation 2005 with the Tony Blair government. You know, the agreement was that all the funds would, you know, that, that the uh, uh, deregulation of gambling there would lead to huge revenues in the UK. The, the actually the opposite happened whereby they went offshore to the likes of Gibraltar. And, um, you know, that space is, you know, we, we looked at this again in our own research. We looked at .ie and .com companies. But once you get into .com companies, it's endless. And, and, and there's constant iterations. And this is probably why some of the more uh, established land-based gambling operators want regulation because they don't want the feeding frenzy of all the other companies that are online. Mm. Might I finish briefly, Colin, with a, maybe a, a clinical question? And I, I appreciate that by the time someone comes to see you at St. John of God's, they, they're in trouble. So maybe not that individual, but people who are listening right now, if, if they're concerned about a young one, or a loved one rather, and if the person themselves who's listening knows, I'm getting a bit fond of this, where do they start to reach out for help? Yeah, so from a clinical point of view, PJ, um, there there are supports. That's the first thing to say. Although the the you know from a cohesive national service provision point of view, and if you're to be critical, it, it it's close to you know it's it's not anywhere where it needs to be. Mm. There's a lot. There's some community addiction teams that will. Uh, treat gambling disorder, but um, you know th there isn't any organised um, arrangement there. So, really, as a starting point, I'm going to start with uh, Gamblers Anonymous. I think you know, as a mutual support group, that's a fabulous mm. input and has helped people hugely. Mm. I mean, it's very much based on twelve steps and an AA's input, but in terms of accessibility, availability, and a national network, you cannot beat. Um, the input of, of GA or Gamblers Anonymous. So that's one input. Some people don't want to go to groups, so they want one-to-one -one input. Um, there are some wonderful statutory uh, inputs available from a one-to-one -one point of view, and I would direct listeners to External Problem Gambling, previously known as Problem Gambling Ireland, um, to two councillors in there in particular, Tony O'Reilly, um, and uh, Barry Grant and they are very good at, uh, at signposting depending on where you are in the country but they can uh, they're, they, you know, they're, they're a very good starting point as is I mean general practice at the moment is under huge strain but if you do have a link and you can get into your general practitioner it's an also a very good uh, starting point mm. and locally there are I mean you know, depending on, again, where you are, but, you know, there are um, various uh, organizations, uh, you know, rehabs that, that will 
be very helpful, such as the Clunvera network. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they have various locations if people wanted to Google them around the country, um, and including Cork. So, um, you know, so so it's the group piece. There's the individual piece, and then there's the statutory groups that do rehab as well. So, okay. there are, you know, there, there's plenty of 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 inputs there. I think the key thing is that people just make that initial step, talk to somebody either within their family or friends. It, you know, uh, highlight the fact that there is a difficulty and that they're willing to get help. And, okay. and from there, you know, that's that's a great starting point, you know. All right. Listen, thank you so much for your time this morning, Professor Colin O'Gara, consultant addiction psychiatrist at St. John of God's. If you do need help, uh, like Colin said there, gamblersanonymous.ie. A lot of information on that. And they have a monthly open meeting, which they have down there in the middle parish, Uh, The time and date, I forget now, but they do have a monthly open meeting where you can just go and sit in at the back of the meeting and hear what's going on. Um, I I, I did that one time just purely for research purposes. I was fascinated by what I heard and and very upset by it. Gamblersanonymous.ie is one. And then uh, Professor Gara mentioned extern problem gambling. Their email is info at problemgambling.ie info at problemgambling.ie or there's a number you can text and it's 89 89 All the meeting times for Gamblers Anonymous, I expect including that public meeting, are on the website. Corks 96 FM Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.